0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Streets Ahead, your podcast dedicated to all things cycling, walking and wheeling in the UK and beyond. I'm Ned Bolting. I'm Adam Tranter.
1: And I'm
0: Laura Laker. Now, this time, we're all about mapping walking routes. Back in the autumn, Emma Griffin from the Footways Project joined Laura for a stroll around Bow in East London. Footways is a network of quiet and interesting streets for walking in London uh, with the aim of getting people out and onto the pavements. Their aim is to make the pedestrian network the top priority when it's often, as we know, the lowest. So... Let's hear how Laura went with Emma on their little walkabout.
1: We're um we're outside I Station. <laughs> Feels slightly furtive, like we're here <laughs> with Emma Griffin, who's from Footways. You do have quite a few things, don't you, Emma? Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm the
2: co-founder of Footways, the uh, quite an interesting routes for walking, but I'm also vice-chair of London Living Streets. And also a trustee of Foundation for Integrated Transport and various other kind of transport campaigning and transport writing and things
1: like that. So. Yeah, and the purpose of Footways is to link transport hubs, play destinations, all sorts of things by nice routes. Yeah, I mean, the places where people
2: want to walk. Yeah. So, that's, so we started with the mainline stations in central London, trying to get people to walk from them instead of get, jump on the tube or in a taxi and walking to all the kind of key destinations. So, yeah, the parks all the museums and galleries and all the kind of work hubs as well so it's walking as transport um, and walking a little bit further than you normally would but picking out the most interesting the most beautiful, most enticing greenest, lovely streets of London so we have marched the streets for months and months and months picking out all <laughs> the nicest links so all these A to B routes were as uh, interesting and enjoyable and safe and clean as possible yeah this was a lockdown project wasn't it we started it pre-lockdown but we finished and we David uh, david harrison the co-founder and i were walking routes and talking to councils and to other campaigning organizations and all sorts of people really actually for a long time before lockdown and then i think it was autumn 2019 we had a, a conference and brought together some of the transport leads and different boroughs And following that, actually, Transport for London gave us some funding to get going with producing a map. With the funding, we worked with Urban Good and turned it into this this printed map, and that was a lockdown project, and we kind of busily got on with that in the quiet months, testing out the routes and finishing them off as well. In that kind of magic period in between the lockdowns, when people were out walking again, we launched the walk to the British Museum and the deputy director of the British Museum came along. We walked with Will Norman. And the cabinet lead transporter, Camden Council, who's been really supportive of the project. So since then, the maps have gone. They've been in huge demand. And actually, the bookshops pretty much sold out of them very, very quickly. The first boxes went. They were telling us they couldn't believe what demand there was for people mm. turning up wanting this. And now there are a few maps left that were basically run out. But the online version as well actually has been viewed, I think, more than 750,000 times. Wow. Which for, you know, for a small project with a small budget like this is not, you
1: know, that shows there is a demand for. Them. Yeah. And um, I love that the paper maps are so popular because obviously everything's now on our phones and it seems like judging from this response that there's perhaps still a demand for for something in in actual print
2: yeah and i think the printed map but does two things it is you can use it to get around and, and it is a great tool and it's quite enjoyable to pick it up on the street and i think the printed maps have kind of changed how you think about things as well don't there's something you look at at home and and you look at it helps you kind of look at a space in a different way mm. you know that this is the first time for example you've had a a network, actually, for walking. We've got lots of maps and networks for other forms of transport, You know the Tube map being famous, the A to Z map, which is for taxis. But never before have we had a, a map for walking, a network for walking. This is the first time you have presented London primarily as a network for walking. Mm. And I think, so that printed map was something, and it did make a statement, and it's a beautiful project, it's got bright colours, and it's just a kind of way to jog people into an alternative way of thinking.
1: So we're, we're on a very, this, it's beautiful street. We've, we've walked away from Mile End Road, the main road, and we've come down this street with these quite established trees on. There's lovely sort of shaded front gardens. It's all, I guess, Georgian housing stock. Yeah, it it's is, all very it's, historic. I think Tradiga Square,
2: further down here, is one of the classic squares of uh, yeah. Tower Hamlets. We can go and look at that. And I think, I mean, this is exactly... Why walking is so enjoyable. We're on a really beautiful, quiet street. There isn't through traffic really coming through here. There's, there's someone doing their driving test here, and it's green. It's got interesting architecture. You kind of want to walk on, don't you? Ooh. It kind of
1: pulls you along. It's lovely, and it's such. A, we've got such a beautiful day for it as well. It's um. Well, we're into October, but the leaves aren't turning yet. We've got these rowan trees, and um, what's so. this? Do we know what this tree is? Lime. No, I don't oh, no. know. We've, We've got go a beach because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be tempted to walk along Mile End Road if you're going somewhere. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah, But then you'd miss this lovely, much more relaxing, obviously much less polluted yeah. side street. Especially on a day like today. Maybe if you're walking home from work or school, you might not actually be in that much of a hurry. Or indeed, if you're working from home, as uh, a few people are now. And you just want to have a little break. Exactly. And that's because
2: that was the, our starting point was was that the kind of routing apps, the city mappers, the Google Maps, were often just just pushing you down the main roads. Yeah. So just because the algorithm wants to stay to be as quick as possible. Yeah. So and actually, it's not actually that much of a time saver. It's only a few mm. seconds sometimes. But because really? the algorithm goes for speed, it always, yeah, turns you away from these kind of back streets. But then they're very, very rarely any longer and if it is you, you would barely notice it so yeah. so I guess just, the, the algorithm just misses all those human factors that make walking a joy because I, I, our thinking was this is the, walking is the not the only form of transport but it's the best form of transport for enjoying one's environment mm. so why not make the most of it you yeah. know and pick out the routes that are, that are the most interesting
1: and beautiful, this square is amazing so we're on Tred- Tred- Tredegar, square. Tredegar Square it's very grand actually isn't yeah. it I mean, the the East End has historically been poor. Obviously, it's not anymore. Much of it. This is obviously a very well-healed exactly. corner of London. It's like you could. It could be in South London, actually. You get a lot of these lovely squares there. But I, I cycle past. I cycle past the end of this road because there's a Cycle Super Highway on my own Road, all the time. And I never knew this was here. And you can literally see the the main road from here. It's not very far away. But yeah,
2: yeah you'd you miss feel it. Like you isolate, don't you? And look at yeah. that. And look, we're going to go up here because cause that I think is very tantalising. <laughs>
1: Enticing street. it is we've got the Lord Tredegar at the end of the road or Tredegar I'm probably pronouncing it wrong we've got a lovely old postbox Victorian postbox it says VR on it beautiful. and it's got a little crown I take a picture yeah, of that the things It's nice do, isn't we would, it we
2: would do is trying to pick out all the features on the back of the map that we printed is the whole load of features that you can go and explore you know everything from kind of interesting little historical bits the hidden features well known uh, you know hidden rivers to to amazing steeples, all these kind of things that the only... Yeah, again, thinking that walking is the one form of transport where you can make the most of all this and enjoy it.
1: You don't have to worry. I guess when you're cycling, there's always a bit of a worry about drivers, other cyclists. You have to have have your wits about you, which can be quite fun, but actually, if you want just a chilled... Escape yeah. from the house, then walking is just a really nice way to do it.
2: Yeah, exactly, because I guess in all the other forms of transport, you've got even a car, even if you're a passenger, you're going fast, and you've also got a kind of screen, yeah, bike, you are bikes, you are actually thinking about your kind of interaction. But walking, you can just be mm. in the environment...
1: And quite nice not to have um, your phone as well if you have the paper map because you get distracted by other things on the phone, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I don't know, And we've got to think about ways, of, different ways of routing people. Maps are one way. Mm.
2: And I guess our thinking is that once you've got a route in your head, then it becomes your habit, you know, yeah. or kind of rough routes or different alternatives. And then once you know about them, then you repeat them over time and you get mm. to know the city in a different way. I guess we're just challenging people to kind of... Uh, find different patterns of how they use the city oh this pub's lovely it's yeah. quite tempting doesn't, doesn't it, doesn't <laughs> it. <laughs> fancy a beer <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was street. this is lovely oh the street's very nicely cared for houses it was another there's a learner driver watch out so because of the railway lines here we have to divert oh, yeah. down there and left so it's a classic thing we, but i think if we go right oh, yeah. here i remember this i am um, I wrote about this area when they were trying to do a low-traffic neighbourhood and um, and failed, and there's basically sort of one, one way in and one way out, which makes for quite a tempting rat run, because otherwise you're on the main uh, road. Yeah.
2: There's a bit interesting bit of pedestrian infrastructure here, where oh, yeah. put the tree, they put the trees on the pavement.
1: I know, yeah, why don't they stick them in the road where they the parking exactly, is? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, because um, you've just been out with um, Katie Pennick from... Uh, Transport for All. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, and we had her on the podcast, actually, before. And um, and so now you've mentioned that, I'm thinking of her. And these are quite narrow little Very spaces narrow. behind the trees, actually, aren't they? And the tree roots have um, disturbed the... Um, the tarmac and the paving stones, which is not wheelchair friendly. It's not wide enough for a wheelchair actually behind this tree, It's bit, not is really, it? is it? It's one yeah. thing Katie was saying, it's like a, when you get a combination
2: of factors like the width and the steepness or the unevenness, then it becomes a, you know, like a triple challenge and makes it even yeah.
1: And so one of the things you... Because you developed this with um, various partners and councils, you mentioned in your press release there's going to be a way for people to be able to say which bits don't work and ask for improvements. How does that work? So the
2: routes we're trying to get people to kind of test out and use and tell us about them so we can adapt them. That, I, think that's what I think that's the Hackney and Islington routes. Yes. Yeah, so they... We've published them, and they're available on a Google Maps version online. Mm -hmm. We want people to go out and test them, link up, see if they link all the bits that people really want to go. Um, Maybe there are kind of missing links or things that don't work or better alternatives, and we kind of want to know about it. And then we can adapt it and grow at the time, and eventually, Mm -hmm. hopefully, we can turn it into another paper map as well for for Hackney Islington.
1: Mm. Yeah, so it started with um, Hackney Islington Camden,
2: so we started in central London and um, Camden was the first borough that we, we spoke to and they, we spoke to one of the officers, they liked the idea and actually it was put into their transport strategy quite quickly. And then we were talking to all the boroughs in central London, everyone from really great support from the city of London, um, had some involvement with Westminster and Kensington, Chelsea, all of them. And So central London then the actual last winter lockdown we started developing the hackney and islington routes and we actually work with walking guides in those areas because they're out walking the areas and know the history so they've got the kind of both sides of knowing all the interesting stuff that you can experience on the way and the great routes so we work with um four walking guides in islington and hackney and they helped us develop this route so now we're kind of Trying to get as many other people using them and testing them and talking to us about them. There's two aims for this project. One is to get people walking more and more often, but also for the to improve the infrastructure for people walking. Mm. And our thinking is that once you start walking and testing these routes. You know, and working with people like Transport for, or we can start identifying the changes that need to happen, and then go and talk to the authorities about you know what to prioritise. And I guess if you've got a walking link and you're showing that people are actually walking between these places, it's a useful A to B link. Then doing improvements on these routes is you know it's a great place to start. I think. Both want to know you know where should we where should we prioritise change? Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I guess um, we've been so bad at providing for pedestrians in the past yeah. and we don't really count them. Yes um, exactly. We don't really count pedestrian trips. We've got the government so the government data, travel data that just came out yeah. in September. That was based on a travel survey. Yeah. There's no real like pedestrian counters like there are for cars, are there? No. And so we don't really know much about pedestrians and they're always sort no. of even though they're top of the hierarchy of road users, they're in reality they're really bottom of the pecking order. Exactly aren't they? right, and I think this is that this has
2: been a key thinking behind this. Yeah, that to at the top, but actually it's the network for cars is the one that is prioritised. Mm. The movement of cars has trumped everything, mm. and that is changing a little bit. You know, we've got a great transport strategy in London, and I think it is genuinely trying to rethink that and try to look yeah. at how to prioritise others. But in terms of the infrastructure that exists, it's 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 I mean, look where we're stood right now. It's um a great thing that Katie just said to me and we were diverted from the route we wanted to do because they were doing some building work so we thought, oh, let's just skip down another road we ended up being pushed into the road because the pavement had been blocked off by the building work Mm. and I asked the question how do you feel about being in the road and she goes, well, to be honest sometimes for me, being in the road is the easiest place to be if there are no cars because actually the surfacing
1: yeah. is so well looked after yeah. and
2: smooth. That's the bit of the infrastructure that people are looking after, whereas the pavement is often the um, bit that's
1: yeah. that's overlooked. And the case in point here um, looks like the road has <laughs> been resurfaced yeah. almost in the it. last month. It's yeah. absolutely brand new. And, and it, then the pavement, there's like bits missing around the. Um, service manholes it's and not surf, getting onto the road from here to bit, get down is there yeah l- there's a step there's bits of brick there's concrete there's cracked paving slab and then if you get over there there's a bollard just on the where oh yeah the, on, the meet, curb, on the yeah, drop curb yeah to stop curb. people parking yeah
2: but that makes it a pavement. bit of that's a kind of a bit of an assault course yeah isn't it, if you're isn't in a wheelchair
1: it? imagine it's a nightmare well
2: and i think we want to just present london as a for pedestrians. As the one that stands out, as the Mm. kind of priority. Mm. And presenting London in a different way, giving a different vision of a transport Mm. network as as the pedestrian network as the priority, is actually a new thing. A new thing to do. He's having a good time, isn't he?
1: Skateboarder, (laughs) yeah. Can't help but look cool on a skateboard, can you? I wish I could do it. He's using the road, isn't he? And he's enjoying it because he's having a nice, smooth ride on that new tarmac. (laughs) So we continue on the cracked pavement. (laughs) I wonder if something like this could help. Pedestrians haven't really had a voice typically, have they? Like cyclists of London yep. Cycling Campaign and national cycling bodies have had a uh, big impact on, you know, first of all, uh, cyclist safety, but then, you know, the infrastructure that goes with making people safe. But for pedestrians, there's not really, I mean, there's living streets, but historically, there hasn't been that sort of mouthy, you know. They haven't been have, yeah. haven't shouted as loudly in the past. That's
2: it, isn't it? And I think pedestrians just think, well, this is, we've got a load of pavements, we've got what we need, but it's got to get on with it. Yeah, that, I mean, maybe maybe there hasn't been the, quite the anger that the that cyclists have mm.
1: for shouting about this is yeah, yeah. This is about
2: our safety as well. Because there
1: are pavements, like you say, but and so you're not being you know, driven out by people in cars, but I don't know, maybe there's an acceptance or this is just how things are.
2: And in fact, actually, p- p- pedestrians are being driven out in cars, aren't they? In fact, even more than cyclists, which is the, uh, the tragedy of it. That,
1: yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, I saw someone driving yesterday. They had um, a flat tyre, and I don't know if they realised, and, you, you know, you can hear it, it makes a... Th- yeah. sound, and I sort of waved and pointed at them, and um, it turned out he knew, but he didn't care. He just sped off up the road... And um and then mounted the curb to some tire repair place and there was a guy pushing a pram and uh he had to like stop to get this out of this guy's way and he just like <laughs> didn't yeah. seem to perturb him. That he's like got very little control over this vehicle, he's just Crikey. like hurtling at people anyway.
2: Yeah. And actually, because when we did this, some people, you know, some of the taxi drivers on social media were saying, "Oh, what, what do we need a walking network for? for Goodness sake, we've got you can walk wherever you want."
1: I really, the taxi drivers getting involved in the walking stuff as well. Only <laughs> a little bit, only <laughs> a little bit.
2: I've <laughs> <laughs> got a little net thing on the back of the map that you know that compares journey times um, in central London compared oh, to a yeah, tube, taxi and tube. and taxi and we did, and we, and we got all the data from City Map, and we were rigorous about it and it was the 5pm on a Thursday evening and we compared some of our links and I think there was a British Museum to Waterloo. I can't remember which one it was. We're on the one in the centre and really there were a couple of minutes in the difference between a walking and a taxi ride. Yeah. That became a mayor's question, actually. So, uh, the, so <laughs> the mayor of London had to... Um, <laughs> Who asked it? Was it uh, Dave Curtin? I'm not... Oh, I don't know the name of the person, actually. I'd have to go and have a look. It was a
1: taxi driver. Some of them get the year as a taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah.
2: to actually present something in a different way as a network or something just showing london in a different perspective is all part of kind of change and about just rethinking how we think about cities and how we use them so not only just challenging people to walk a bit further and go and enjoy stuff but just to think you know what well, actually walking is a form of transport walking is a way a way of enjoying the city a way of living in the city so that's put it at the front
1: yeah and a lot of us have realised how nice walking and how therapeutic walking can be yeah exactly. obviously in the last year and a half should we go around this way and give this lady some space That's
2: classic example isn't it where you're forced into the road because actually the pavement yeah. is, is pretty well, just, you,
1: yeah it's just nice to give people space these days isn't it you just don't know um, yeah well oh, look it looks like they've got a big roof garden up there or something it's with roof gardens it's a beautiful square as well yeah it's so nice Lovely Selwyn Green. I've never and been. A, in oh Selwyn look, Green this sign before. has a walking and cycling oh, right. sort of sign on it. It looks like a Sustrans route. Do you know what? I guess. I guess it must be quite common to have um, walking and cycling symbols on those blue Sustrans signs. That's true. But I haven't really. I hadn't really noticed it before.
2: I find them as particularly useful when I'm cycling, actually. And I think I've been thinking about um, wayfinding. I um, mean, obviously, there are different ways of doing it and, you know, using apps. And the the app app's great, and, but I think there is a role for kind of on-street things. And actually, the logo that we made that our Charlie at Urban Good designed is um, designed to be a wayfinding tool as well. Mm. You take out the kind of different triangles at each bit. It could tell you which way to go. Oh, nice. So we could, you know, it could be sprayed on the, on the ground and a bit nautily mm. or it could be put as stickers in windows stencils. and stencils and things like that.
1: Nice. Mm-hmm. It looks like an old schoolhouse and garden.
2: Let's wiggle through there and then we can get to Roman Road and go and see.
1: We're building some new flats here it looks like. So yes, hold my hand. One thing I was speaking to some um, Hannah from Go Jauntly, she was saying one of the reasons people don't walk is um not knowing where to walk, which I found quite surprising as someone who will just walk out their door and just think, oh, I'll just wander down here and see where it goes. But it's like a confidence thing for some people, which seems right, isn't it? Yeah. astonishing, actually. But if you're not in the habit of walking, then I guess set of starting is one of the hardest things, perhaps.
2: I think Hannah's right, and I think you just like knowing where to walk to sometimes can be enough of a reason.
1: This is nice. So we're heading towards Roman Road now.
2: Yeah. let see how bad the uh, traffic is. How bad it is, yeah. we just announced a partnership with LNER. Oh, okay. yeah. And um, I think that's quite exciting, because I think we started off looking at the mainline stations, thinking about all the... I think when you get to a mainline station in London, the kind of immediate environment you get when you get off the train is so bad... But a walk just doesn't seem like the natural mm. option.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking of, when you say that, I'm thinking of Euston. Yeah. And actually, King's yeah. Cross and Pancras, for all the beauty of the um, public realm around the back. yeah, And the new station itself, and of course, St Pancras is magnificent. Yeah, But, yeah, Euston Road, I don't know if there's a solution to that street.
2: <laughs> no, it's tricky, isn't it? Because, it, you know kind of where the traffic needs to be but you're right it's just such a huge barrier mm. it
1: doesn't draw you into the city no you just want to get away from it as soon as possible yeah, don't you that's how I discovered go jauntly actually I needed to get between Euston and um, Paddington actually and um where well, I left my bike and uh, really didn't want to take public transport and the natural way was Euston Road and that's how I discovered go jauntly um, I think I downloaded it when I when it uh, launched or something, and then um, hadn't really used it, but I found a really nice little back street way, and it was quite relaxing.
2: Oh, great! Did you? And, and yeah, you're right, because just south of Buxton Road, Bloomsbury is just a beautiful, oh, yeah. beautiful place to walk. Um, and that, so we and many of our we started, you know, linking Waterloo and Covent Garden, British Museum, and then and St Pancras So it's great that LNER are on board, and they. Mm. They're giving the maps out from the stations and they also trying to think about how they customers can kind of be inspired and when they get to the landing page for example on mm. on the train to get the Wi-Fi they could be inspired to actually think to carry on the journey yeah. on for, and, they, and and they, they get it that the train operating company they've got a sustainable form of transport so let's think about how you can extend that that sustainable mm. form of transport all the way through so the journey is not just on the train but it's actually from home to destination yeah which i think is a kind of you know i think this is i think there's something really interesting there about combo travel and how you connect different forms of transport yeah multimodal yeah because actually walking is the one that delivers isn't it, it delivers due mm. to all other forms of transport yeah you
1: know? yeah it's true and um, I'm just thinking of um, train stations in London. Quite a lot of them have a big taxi rank outside, don't they? Yeah, so, it's, it's the
2: first thing you it's see. The first isn't it? one of the first
1: things you see, yeah, and several of them, if not all.
2: I was in Strasbourg before lockdown. For Strasbourg, you get up the stairs, and it used to be a taxi rank at the front, and I think they, they changed it, and now you get there, and there's a big avenue for walking that just oh. pulls you into the city. And then you get across this big square, and there's a low traffic neighbourhood where the bollards are up and it just again it pulls you in and it just it, walking immediately feels like the um, natural option
1: you go there for work or did you go there for a holiday? I was on holiday with that's the so children. That's so funny because yeah. it's, it's the same with everyone who's interested in these things, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? You either choose somewhere that's like interesting for work but also nice and then you take everyone with you and then it's and then like yeah, I've always wanted to go to yes, yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be a really good idea if we stop in Strasbourg on the way home. We were on a tr- and the had you heard about get... this? Yes, yeah, I have.
2: Yeah, and the children oh no,
1: we're here to another transport, And tr- they realise your ulterior motive <laughs> <laughs> oh God, to have
0: to for <laughs> Laura I guess you enjoyed your uh, your footways experience yeah you must have loved it
1: it was really nice yeah we had fun as you can hear yeah we really enjoyed it It was a lovely day it was back in the autumn <clears throat> I've been kind of holding on to the file been quite busy and haven't had a chance to edit it but our wizard editor Claire has um has now worked her wonders on it it was really great and it's really nice to talk about walking and I think what they're doing, trying to create a map for walking and trying to elevate walking in sort of transport terms is super important. I learned doing my research around this that walking's been in decline for the last decade in London, which really, really surprised me. You kind of assume that people are doing active travel more and more, but actually while traffic's increased since t- 2011, including on side streets, as we know, because of things like ways and um uber and all of those that um actually the pedestrian realms kind of deteriorating becoming more hostile so i think it's really important to consider it and not just think oh the pavements are there that's the walking network done because obviously people in wheelchairs a lot of the stuff like the you know when we're walking those tree pits there's really narrow kind of bit of pavement behind a tree it's all wonky and if you're on a wheelchair that's just impossible it's too narrow you can't even get through physically even if you could get up over the bumps so um yeah really important stuff they're doing
0: Mm. yeah i completely agree you know wheelchair trying to use a wheelchair on lots of london streets is, is um not only uh difficult it's impossible mm. um uh so yeah
3: i know i know kind of a few like little walking routes near where my office used to be and you know you think they're great walking routes and actually you know much of the city of london have these kind of big steps and, and things like that at the end that just are totally inaccessible so that's a really important thing and for people who are Pushing, uh, I, I had twin boys, so I used to push a double push chair and things like that. You know, all those things are really big considerations. and um, I wanted to say that since I knew that you went on this walk, I, I kind of looked at, at the the map and, and looked at It's, we should say it's really nicely branded. It's like really lovely to look at. And, and walking, you know, we need to market walking. Walking always gets, you know it's the poor cousin in active travel unfortunately because there isn't a lot of industry or money to be made or fares to be paid and and things like that but it's just brilliant so getting nicely designed with its kind of key routes and and something that you can have digitally and physically i think could be the really nice start of kind of discovery for a lot of people and that's how those habits form uh, isn't mm. it you just do it once under guidance and then it becomes part of your part of your routine
0: yeah yeah the physical map's really nice it's um unfortunately i'm looking at the website right now and i think they're reprinting it they've sold out of the the stock or they've yeah they haven't got any stock at the moment but as soon as they're back in stock i'd like i'd like to have one yeah i'd like to frame it stick it up on the wall really nicely and laura you you've made a connection between this printed map and the the famous the iconic a to z maps right
1: yeah because i mean emma and i i don't think it's in our recorded chat but uh we were talking about the a to z and um And she mentioned how that was originally something about how that kind of that is kind of the main road network that highlights the main road network. So that should be like where where vehicles go. And then the rest of it is like you know, the kind of pedestrian realm, the quieter streets, because that's the the cab driver's Bible. And I I looked it up on Wikipedia and I discovered that the um, original map was created in the 30s by a woman called Phyllis Pearsall, who actually mapped London by walking around it, cataloguing house numbers, junctions and streets. And so, yeah, what's now known as the cabbies map, or it was, was was actually created by a woman walking around London, which I thought had a really nice symmetry with what Emma and her team have been doing, mapping these routes around London, I just thought it was a fantastic bit of symmetry there. Yeah. And it's funny because we went through Coburn Street, which was a low traffic neighbourhood for a very brief time. And I wrote an article for City Labs on it, and um, it shut after a couple of days because so there was a huge cabbie protest and some locals. It wasn't very well communicated, and it all kind of fell apart. It, it shut after a couple of couple of, couple days. of days. It was really bad. <laughs> it was so. It was such a shame because they had like a trampoline. Some sort of record. Basically, this is a kind of area, and there's a there's an L shaped two streets that form an L-shape that kind of cut through between two very busy roads. And it's a massive rat run. And they put a trampoline or a bouncy, I think it was Bouncy Castle, actually, underneath this bridge, train bridge on one of the L-shaped streets. It was Coburn and Tredegar, uh, which is <laughs> which is a word that I still struggle to pronounce. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so we're walking through there and um, yeah, big, heavy protest. But we, we happened to get talking about the map and how they worked out that some central London journeys were just almost as quick, a couple of minutes slower by foot than they were by taxi. And it's particularly the case at Russia, but actually it doesn't seem to change much during the day. And she said there was a, actually a mayor's question on this because um, they, the taxi world, thought parts of the taxi world follow is inaccurate. And I asked whether it was David Curtin who asked the question. It was, it turned out, Because Will Norman had done a tweet about how he's trying to encourage walking, about how it's just as quick sometimes to walk as it is to take the tube or to get a taxi. So, yeah, the facts are true. It's just that most people don't realise. And I think this is one of the interesting things about walking that you often don't realise how quick it can be compared with driving just to be walking through um especially parts of central london so yeah it's another way of kind of elevating that actually you don't need to get on the tube for this short journey you don't need to hop in a cab mm. you can just walk and there's these great little streets like london you know cities are just full of these fascinating especially in the uk so much history so many beautiful little places you know we discovered places i cycle past all the time i had no idea what was behind the, the buildings on the main road
3: people do um Euston to, to King's Cross quite frequently, don't they? And, and, uh, you know, they might take a tube and stuff. And, yeah, that's a classic. and actually you can walk it. But we should say mm. then this is why this map come, comes into its own and other initiatives like it. There is a signed quiet route basically to, to avoid the horrible air pollution of the Euston Road. So you can connect from Euston to St Pancras, and it's really lovely. It's you know it's really nice and, and leisurely, and it's it can't be any more time than mm. than than the equivalent one stop on the tube, which is uh, which is just nuts. The same from Embankment to Charing Cross, and all those little ones, Leicester Square to Embankment and stuff. The more awareness we build, uh, yeah. the more people will just think Top of it garden. as their, yeah. their first choice.
0: Mm. I, I um, signage, huh? Signs. I was thinking about this. Mm. I think about this a lot because it irritates me so much. The <laughs> Sustrans network—I I know we're talking about walking and not cycling, but if you're thinking about sign, if, well, they do both.
1: Well, the NcN's walking and cycling, so it is actually, yeah, it's walking network too, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, so <clears throat> yeah, they—they they do. Yeah, you're right. They do yeah. both, don't they? They have a little figure of a pedestrian on it. The ones you put to lampposts and you clamp them like that, and yeah. uh, they routinely get turned in the wrong direction. Mm. Yeah, are such a bad mm. design that they might as well not bother. Because I, who want to use mm. them a lot, I mm. just ignore them because I have I completely fail to trust them because they've been turned around. So many of them have been turned around yeah. that I can't trust a single one. And uh, it, it's just such a simple thing to get right. And it's, uh, it's just a huge, huge mistake, I think.
3: I think there's quite a few... Yeah. Signage is really important. You know, sometimes I'm quite cautious not to just say like, oh, you know, signs will fix everything because people, you know, don't read them. But there are some instances, especially the pace that you're walking at, where signage can be really, really reassuring. And Absolutely, yeah. London is, um, is a great example of, of that, and it's a little-known innovation that happened in London. I think London got the idea from New York, and they're called totems, uh, and basically they are... Uh, it's hard to explain what a totem is, I guess. It's like a... a like
1: a freestanding kind of column with a map on two sides.
3: Yeah. Yes, exactly, and they've got a map on the side. The two things that are innovative about that, which I love, it's not that innovative, but it's just someone's thought about it in a different way. One is it doesn't do north, south, east, west; it points the way that you're looking at it. Secondly, there's a uh, several circles around it, which give you five minute, ten minute, fifteen minute uh walking things, and and those little things are, are great. And I just want to give a shout out as well to uh, this isn't a sponsored podcast, although I'd like it to be, but uh, a sponsored podcast in the in the sense that uh, an app that I've been using, which is totally free, and has been been transforming little walking meetings i've been doing so rather than just sitting down and having meetings at work i've been going for walking meetings and the app is called go jauntly and it's free to download and basically you can just say where you are and say i want to walk Mm. for like 45 minutes or 30 minutes or 15 minutes and it will give you uses an algorithm to give you quiet streets parks nice places that you could do a circular walk on so i've been using that um you know if i've got a 45 minute meeting i just put the app on 45 minutes and and go around and We don't overcomplicate walking, but those little bits of tech and support can make all the difference.
1: They worked with Footways actually on the map and they're kind of a partner. Yeah, and I spoke to them for the article that I wrote back in the autumn and um, I'd been using their kind of random walk generator during one of the lockdowns and it was fab. It's just nice. Even places that I normally go, just a slightly different route sometimes can make all the difference. Yeah, perfect for walking meetings. I love that idea. I was
0: wondering, I noticed... um some finnish cycling and walking advocates who i follow because i can't because i only do it because i love looking at written finnish because it's just absolute lunacy isn't it it's just <laughs> the craziest <laughs> language but they posted a was it's really cold in finland at the moment and they but that doesn't stop them riding their bikes they just put kind of studs on mm. their tire god knows what um but they have to ride over compacted ice and snow and stuff and they've got this i don't know where it was but they've got this beautiful Did you see it like these um led projectors on i I think they're relatively low tech and probably not that expensive but they project these beautiful onto the snow these beautiful kind of images of they turn it into a cycle path by showing you and it kind of flows like that Hmm. in in purple and it it lights up on the white of the snow and it says this is your cycle path now i did think uh is there room for you know like um santander hire bikes project a little bicycle Uh, in front of the wheel and I I guess that's quite easy technology Mm. but Mm. wouldn't it be nice to have stuff projected onto pavements that said you know that suggested if you walk there if you go left there you know, just swept you around because people look at the pavements all the time, don't they, as so they're walking?
3: Artwork or, you know, like the stuff that goes down with, with directions and stuff. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah.
0: Moving LED light that kind of like guides you and says, suggests that if you walk this way, you could be in Victoria in five minutes. Mm. Go left, you know.
1: Mm, it's quite a fun idea. I think
0: you could have a nice creative use of technology like that that might need to, you know, thinking about exploring because yeah. sounds yeah. pretty cool. But also going back right at the beginning, Laura, you said you were surprised to find out that walking was on the decline hmm. yeah that that is surprising for a number of reasons isn't it but one of the reasons that it surprised me is people have, wear fitbits and yeah i don't know if it's still a thing but it was really kind of two or three years ago everyone had a fitbit and everyone was trying to do ten thousand mm-hmm. steps a day there you go adam's, yeah. adam's showing his his one off you know and that seemed to be a lot of people were in, involved in that and i i'm that's another reason why i'm surprised it hasn't been you know
1: yeah i think that market i think the fitbit kind of captures certain people but then there's a lot of people with no interesting technology or people who are older, for example, we've got an ageing population or just people without the kind of money to do that. I think a lot of people who do kind of buy into the apps and I love it. I, you know, I love kind of gamifying stuff, but several of the reasons people aren't walking as much, well, apart from the increasing traffic, it's just general safety, air pollution. And then if you're older, it's um, just trip hazards. If you trip over, it can be really bad when you're older. The consequences can be quite severe so yeah there's quite a lot of reasons and i think it's quite complex i spoke to um the interim ceo of living streets london living streets and um he was telling me it's quite a kind of complex picture but various reasons and it also if you've got kids if you live on a busy road it can be quite scary yeah. sort of yeah corralling them away from the road well it is i i did a walk on
3: it's very depressing actually i did a walk on christmas day um, which... Uh, <laughs> a
1: depressing Christmas walk? No.
3: Well, no, it was. It was. It was weirdly depressing. Well, I mean, for a variety of reasons. <laughs> I've been cooking Christmas dinner for the last couple of years, not in any kind of major way, but just sort of reheating frozen stuff. And
0: Sounds, sounds great.
3: None, none of my family like it. <laughs> none of my family... Well, I... I bu-
1: Two-year-old reheated frozen Christmas. This must be some Christmas
3: dinner, Adam. I go to a place, I buy frozen potatoes, frozen sprouts and stuff, and just put them in the oven and it's fine. Anyway. Mm.
0: <laughs> Reheating frozen stuff. This is the worst Christmas ever.
3: And we're vegetarian as well, so we don't really have the turkey thing, so it's only off like a vegetarian <laughs> toad in the hole. Long story short, no one likes it. And, right. and, and every Christmas is, is spent sort of like, just poking at it, uh, at the food. So this year we decided we'd, we'd break tradition literally and we'd go for a curry and we went to our local curry house, uh, on, on Christmas day and it's, you know, a 10 minute walk away. And on Christmas day, I lived on a near a main road that's 30 miles an hour. It's quite a busy road though. Me and my wife were walking with our kids and, and you know, I was so petrified walking down the, the pavement because the speed cars were going at, there weren't loads of cars, but the speed they were going at was scary the pavement is narrow this is massive gyratory and a tiny half pavement on the side oh it just made me think god this is um we've got it the wrong way around again it's really a an eye-opener for me and i think there are a lot of considerations for people to take you know walk for short journeys um and and another one that that you mentioned laura roughly i guess in safety more generally but women's safety as well in, in the winter and, and everyone's personal safety rather, but you know, more prevalent in women who are walking uh, alone. Yeah. Um, we, you know, these are all kind of yeah. major considerations. And obviously we can't solve, you know, that, that shouldn't be a problem that society has to, to deal with, but it is. But, um, you know, with some of these measures, walking groups and better signage, better lighting, we can, you know, for quite cost effective, make walking a natural first choice for, for people. And I think stuff like this the map and the apps and combined with actual physical measures could make a big difference in birmingham near me there's 25 percent of car journeys are under one mile like take that you know we, we're doing something massively wrong for that to be the byproduct of the decisions we've made so yeah that was that was really good i am excited about You know it.
1: what they need in the west midlands adam
3: what do they need to tell me <laughs> Is it a walking, walking cycling and cycling commissioner. commissioner? Brilliant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Get they him do. on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's Get on him it. him on that pavement.
3: He's on it. He's he's just venting his anger through the medium of podcasting, but uh, he is on it <laughs> as well.
0: That probably just about does us. Thank you very much, Laura, for your intrepid reporting, as ever.
1: Thanks. Thanks for joining me on the adventure.
0: No, I'm a big fan of walking. I do it a lot. I tend to call it mooching, <laughs> which is a kind of misnomer, slightly, because I always thought to mooch just meant you know to kind of like stroll around aimlessly looking at stuff mm-hmm. um which is kind of by yeah. usage certainly how i use the word but then i was rereading down and out in paris and london about six months ago by george Orwell, and he uses the word which was written a hundred years ago and he mm. uses the word to mooch in the london section of down and out in paris and london and it means to um i think it means to steal stuff to mm-hmm. kind of like go around nicking stuff yeah, a moocher. So it's got slightly. A... Oh, mini moocher. Anyway, um, that's got nothing to do with active travel, but this podcast <laughs> has. Um, you've been listening as ever to Streets Ahead. Let us know what you think at Pod Streets Ahead. Rate us and review us, and share the podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. And keep walking. Um, it's goodbye from me, Ned Bolting.
1: It's goodbye from me, Laura Laker.
0: And
3: goodbye from me, Adam Tranter.
1: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.